Jessica Schmidt, Director of Investment Communications here at Diamond Hill, and this is Understanding Edge. I'm joined today on the podcast by Douglas Gimple, Senior Portfolio Specialist for our fixed income team here at Diamond Hill. Doug has long been our host of the Understanding Edge podcast, but today we're putting him in the hot seat to talk about what's happening in fixed income markets, what the Fed's been up to, and dive into the question of, are we in a recession? As always, stay safe and stay healthy, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Douglas Gimple. Hi, Doug. Welcome to the podcast. It is a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Jess. It's a pleasure to be here uh, and definitely uh, very different being on this side of the microphone as a guest and not as a host, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're excited to have you, and we have a slew of fixed income topics to talk about today. Um, to kick us off, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your most recent fixed income market update titled Fighting Inflation and Identifying Recessions. In that piece, you dive into recent performance um, in fixed income markets, what actions the Fed has taken lately in regards to inflation, and you also take a deep dive into the definition of a recession. And I want to talk about all these topics today, but let's set the stage by talking about recent performance in bond markets. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an incredibly interesting first seven months of this year. Uh, if you look at the first six months, it is by far the worst six-month period we've ever had, not just to start a year, um, with double-digit losses across the board corporates, the aggregate, treasuries, uh, you name it. And so it, it's been a very difficult time. And it's that time that, you know, over the last four, five, six years, everyone's been dreading. You know, rates had been incredibly low for a prolonged period of time. And everyone was worried about, well, what happens when rates start to climb? And now we're feeling that, you know, and we saw that the first six months. What's been nice is that you know, in May, we had a little bit of an uptick as things kind of calmed down. We had some positive performance in fixed income, uh, turned again in June. And then July, we had one of the best months we've had in quite a while as markets kind of stabilized. And, you know, we saw that maybe inflation was, was starting to calm down. We saw how aggressive the Fed was going to continue to be. Um, but without a doubt, it has been incredibly challenging. Uh, but it's also been an opportunity for investors to you know, get a feel for what their fixed income managers are doing. You know, were they taking on, you know, too much risk? Were they buying a lot of duration, which, which obviously is going to hurt you as rates are going higher? Uh, so some of those questions have been answered. Uh, we've got some more questions that hopefully will be answered by the end of the year. Uh, but without a doubt, uh, one of the most challenging, uh, but also interesting uh, environments that we've been in to, to start a year. You mentioned rates going up, Doug, and of course, we all know at the recent July meeting, the Federal Reserve increased interest rates by 75 basis points. This followed a 75 basis point rise in June. Give us some perspective into the Fed's actions this year and how this rate hiking cycle is unique to ones that we've seen in the past. Yeah, everyone always says, well, this time it's different. Um, and it usually isn't, but this time, you know, just looking at the numbers, it is. Uh, similar to what I was talking about with fixed income performance, it's kind of unprecedented. Uh, the rate at which the Fed has accelerated 
is unprecedented. We've reached these type of levels, so 225 basis points um, at the beginning of a tightening cycle. We've reached that level, but it's taken much longer to get there. So other tightening cycles have been, you know, 25 basis points every meeting, uh, very clearly communicated, um, and gets you to where you eventually want to go. This time, because inflation was running so hot, uh, the Fed's trying to you know, reestablish their credentials as inflation fighters because the transitory label didn't hold, uh, as everyone saw. And so in four meetings, we've seen 225 basis points uh, of tightening, uh, which is the fastest that we've seen. Uh, you know, we did 25, then 50, then 75 and 75. And, you know, what was, what was most interesting uh, was the 75 basis points because we got uh, inflation numbers right beforehand uh, when they were in kind of their quiet mode. And we didn't know if, you know, was it going to be 75, was it going to be 100? And they couldn't talk about kind of setting the stage. And so it was the first time in a very long time. Uh, and it's been quite a while in my career where we had a meeting where we didn't necessarily know what they were going to do. You know, most meetings, we have a really good idea. It's going to be 25. It's going to be 50 because they communicate it. It was a little different. And, you know, we're running into that now with expectations for September because we're in this period of almost two months where we don't have a Fed meeting. Uh, in that time, we're going to hear about inflation twice. We just heard uh, this week um, about inflation and it, it ticked down a little bit you know, eight and a half percent, still nothing to be excited about, but it's not 9.1%. And so maybe we've seen that peak, maybe the Fed slows down. Uh, but for right now, it looks like they're kind of moving between 50 to 75 basis points for this next move. And if you look at the futures market as of today, it's about a 50% chance between 50 and 75. Uh, but again, you know, we're going to get another inflation read. We're going to get another jobs number. Uh, we're going to get the revision of second quarter GDP, and uh, I think it's August 25th, and then we get the third and final revision of second quarter GDP near the end of September. So there's still uh, a lot of things yet to come before they have their next official meeting, but they do have Jackson Hole uh, near the end of August. That's tended to be a, an unofficial where they'll talk about their plan, so maybe we'll get some clarity whether it's definitely 50 or 75. But back to your original question, this has been incredibly aggressive. And when you look at it at other time periods, um, it's way past anything we've seen before. And it's because of what we've, where we've been and, and where we're at right now with regards to inflation. And so trying to get a handle of that. Um, and, and so being much more aggressive the past couple of meetings, and then we'll see what happens from now till the end of the year. Okay. Well, you mentioned GDP and we know the latest GDP growth number for the second quarter came in negative at 0.9% annualized pace. And this marked the second quarter in a row of negative GDP growth uh, for the US. As a reminder, GDP fell negative 1.6% in the first quarter. So two consecutive quarters of negative growth has been a long held basic definition of a recession. But Doug, what do we need to keep in mind about these numbers and how we interpret them? Yeah, uh, the, the negative GDP prints in consecutive quarters, as you said, has always kind of been the, the measuring stick of a recession, uh, at least when a recession starts. Um, but officially, a recession isn't a recession 
uh, until the National Bureau of Economic Research, or the NEBR, is the body that officially declares a recession. And, and most often, it's after the fact. So they have what I think is, is probably one of the best jobs, in that they get to look at what's going on um, and wait. So they get to wait and see how things progress. And then they come out and say, well, yeah, we had a recession. It started two quarters ago and it's over or we're in the midst of it. And so they're the official arbiter of what, it, of what a recession is. But, you know, as you said, everyone thinks two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. And one of the things that I looked at in the paper was how often is that right? And how often is it not right? And really, you know, if you look at 2001, you know, we had the recession from dot-com combined with 9-11, and you had actually a negative quarter, you had a positive quarter, and then you had a negative quarter. So technically, based on the initial definition that we were talking about, you didn't have consecutive quarters of negative GDP, but the NBER did say that we had a recession so there are times when you know that happens the 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 reverse of that so if we had two consecutive quarters of negative gdp uh, where they don't declare it a recession it's only happened one time you know and that was in 1947 coming right out of world war ii there was obviously a lot of um, moving moving parts um, but subsequently there was a recession in, in mid to late 1948 i believe it was so Yes, you could look at historically, two consecutive quarters of GDP has traditionally led or indicated a recession. But you can say that as much as you want, but until any NBER comes out and says it, you don't officially have that recession. And, and the idea behind that entity, uh, it's not political, it's a private entity. So it's not beholden to any part of the government. So it, it's, like I said, it's probably the best job in economics because you get to wait. Uh, you don't have to predict anything. Like when people ask us where rates are going to be, you don't have to do any of that. Um, and you're not necessarily held accountable to it. You know, you just, you're the, the end all be all. And this is when a recession is. And that's, that's the final word. So, you know, yes, we did have those back-to-back -back negative quarters. Um, but, you know, we've seen strong job growth still. The most recent jobs number was 528,000, which actually that number pushed us back to where we were pre-COVID. So the 22, 23 million jobs that we lost uh, have all been put back into the economy. So it, it's, it's hard to look at a period when we're creating jobs, unemployment is low, and to say that there's a recession. But that's not without precedence either. In the 1970s, we had three different recessions. And at the beginning of each of those recessions, uh, we saw pretty substantial job growth. So it's not unheard of. Uh, but it is it is pretty unique when you look at the, the creation of jobs, the labor market, and thinking that we're headed into or, or are already in a recession. So this is really interesting, Doug. We have some conflicting data points pointing us in different different paths down as we look forward. Um, taking all of this into consideration, what's next on the horizon for investors? and particularly those who are rethinking their fixed income allocations in light of the environment that we're in. Yeah, it's it's been really interesting, you know, and I keep saying that, but, you know, one of the other things I also keep saying is that with great volatility is coming great opportunity. Uh, and so for investors, it's a chance to take advantage of spread widening, which we hadn't seen for a while. 
Um, it's also been an opportunity for investors to reevaluate, you know, how they're looking at fixed income. You know, a lot of uh, investors, a lot of clients of advisors are opening up statements and seeing negative numbers next to fixed income and also seeing negative numbers next to equity. And so that's, uh, I would imagine that's a very painful process and conversation, uh, but it's creating opportunity. And what I mean by that is that, you know, the tenure at 53 basis points in August of 2020 is not a very good entry point to extend duration, to look at a core mandate or something like that. With the tenure now in kind of a trading range between two and a half, three percent, it becomes a little bit more attractive and more of an opportunity to reevaluate that, you know, maybe what you had in your core was a bit too aggressive. And those are the conversations that we're having right now with clients and prospective clients is, you know, they were buying uh, more aggressive approaches to their fixed income. And, you know, before we got to this year, the government was out there, the Fed was out there supporting markets. So everybody was kind of the, the rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, and now the tide goes out and you're finding out, you know, who's wearing a bathing suit and who's not. And so this is creating, you know, an opportunity for us as a pure core manager to get out there and say, look, let's go back 10, 15 years and remember what your fixed income is supposed to do. And, you know, it's not to say that, you know, a fixed income, a core in a rising rate environment is going to give you positive returns. The, the bond math just doesn't work that way. If you have duration, it's going to hurt. But like we've seen the first six months of this year, even the first full seven months of this year, it's being able to protect and defend when the markets are, are as they are. So as for what comes next, you know, we've got an inverted curve, but, you know, you can point to all these different things, whether it's, as we talked about, negative GDP growth, an inverted curve that historically have meant certain things. We're in completely un uncharted territory between coming out of a pandemic and now unwinding a Fed balance sheet that's incredibly bloated that we've only done once before and it only lasted about nine months before they had to turn it back on uh, and start buying because there was such a disconnect on the shorter end of the curve with money markets. So uh, I think, you know, what's next for investors is, you know, take that fortitude that you've built up over the last six to seven months and hold on to it. Because while things feel like they're maybe stabilizing a little bit, anything and everything can create a, a bit of volatility in the marketplace. And, you know, you've got to be ready for it. And, you know, hopefully we've got that fortitude to kind of get through it if we see more rate increases on the longer end, or if we see spread widening, that's all part of a natural market cycle that we've avoided for several years, um, just because of what the Fed has done with, with, um, with support and what the government's done with stimulus packages, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I think that we're still in for a bit of a roller coaster ride, but you know, hopefully July is a as a precursor of what's to come with a bit of a trading range. You've got some ups, you've got some downs, some knee-jerk reactions to economic news. Um, but hopefully longer term, maybe we've got some stability here and some opportunity to add some value. Well, that's good advice, Doug. Thank you so much. We appreciate having you on the podcast and hopefully we can have you back in a few months and See how markets have evolved since then. Yeah, appreciate the time and uh, I look forward to coming back. Great. Thank you, Doug.